Colter Nuanez, ScottSportsMT.com. More Big Sky Breakdown action for you. I wanted to catch up with a couple of our uh, great friends that uh, have podcasts as well. There's a couple fan podcasts out there in the Big Sky Conference that give you a different perspective than our sort of objective analysis that we like to bring. Uh, but these guys have great analysis as well, and they spend a ton of time uh, watching the games and, and diving into it. So uh, we'll be joined first by the Grizz Fan Pod guys, at least two out of three of them, Mike Nugent and Britt Wahlberg. They have a great uh, podcast, the Grizz Fan Pod, that they put out once a week. And also joined by Kyle Sample, who's a contributor there on the Grizz Fan Pod, used to be a contributing writer here at Skyline Sports. So just a couple minutes with those guys talking about the fiercest rivalry in college football, Montana at Montana State. We'll also hear from the R&R Pod. Podcast guys, Ryan and Ryan, excited to have those guys uh, on as well. A second year in a row, we've done that too. Also from Nick Tabor, Westpac Wealth. Uh, he'll have some commentary about the rivalry and his financial tip of the week. And then you'll also hear my interview from uh, Case Guy Country, which is the uh, the country station there in Bozeman that hosts our uh, Bobcat tailgate pregame show we had to pre-record the pregame show because college game day is coming to town so i'll share that with you here to get y'all geared up and juiced up for the game so this is sort of a collaborative podcast touching on a lot of different of the fan perspectives but also just analysis of the game big sky breakdown skylinesportsmt.com thanks to all of our great sponsors town pump for keeping us fueled up they'll get us all gassed up on our way over to bozeman uh this weekend bringing the whole crew from skyline so thanks to town pump for keeping us on the road all season long. Thanks to Nick Tabor, Westpac Wealth. Nick will have his financial tip of the week uh, later on this week on the Big Sky Breakdown. Thanks to Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. Thanks to Blackfoot Communications for their continuation uh, of their sponsorship of our entire podcast network and uh, of all the things we do at SkylineSportsMT.com. Visit BlackfootCommunications.com to let Blackfoot help you connect to more. And thanks to JV Restaurant Supply. JV Restaurant Supply, your home for everything kitchen. You can visit them online at jvrestaurant.com. Also, thanks to our Fit During Football sponsors. The uh, Miracle in Missoula documentary is out, and uh, I actually got a lot of comments on my contributions to it. Very happy to be a part of it. And thanks to Dawson and Garrett and all the guys at the Montana State uh, film department for letting me be involved in it and uh, also those got some comments that uh, I just look way better now than I did uh, a year ago and you know I think a part of that's just the good nutrition and the good fitness provided by Hype House now the cycling studio and strength studio here in Missoula as well as uh, Hot House Yoga and Nutrition on Reserve and Elevate Nutrition uh, both those great uh, partner stores have kept me fueled up and kept the protein intake up and uh it feels good to feel good, so I appreciate the uh, the, the kind words and the the uh, comments. And uh, don't wait, man. Go get your fitness locked in. I tell you, it'll make you a way more productive and happy person. It really will. And uh, it, it really is like a drug. It, it, you become addicted to it, and it's, uh, it's a great thing, great thing. So appreciate our Fit During Football sponsors as well. SkylineSportsMT.com. We've got a series of matchup stories right now rolling on throughout the website. So uh, go check those out and uh, always keep it tuned. Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com, all the above. Here's my conversation with the Grizz Fan Pod Boys from down at the Mo Club on Tuesday afternoon. I think these guys are stressing out because we only have like 15 to 20 minutes to record. These guys are used to recording for like four hours. At least. Yeah, so we'll keep it brief. But it is uh, one of the biggest weeks of the year for uh, all of college football, but particularly in the state of Montana, 
And uh, we're here with the Grizz Fan Pod guys, plus, you know, retired and uh, rehab Skyline Sports writer Kyle Sample. He decided to get a real job that actually pays him good money. So, um, Kyle's buying lunch today, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, I want to start with this. Is this the most cut and dry in terms of the matchup that you guys can remember in the Cat Grizz game? Because usually we're talking about if this, then this, and this, then this. There's all these factors. To me, this seems like it pretty much boils down to all the, all the Cats do is run the ball. The Grizz are the best team in the league at stopping the run. The Cats aren't very good at defense, and the Grizz aren't very good on offense. And so it seems like strength versus strength, weakness versus weakness. Is there anything else that I'm missing? Obviously, there's going to be other things that come up in the game, but... What do you guys say? Mike Nugent, Brett Walder, Kyle Sample joining us here on Big Sky Breakdown. Yeah, I mean, I think the I think the biggest matchup is that, like the you know, will the Grizzlies stop the stop the run game and, and force Tommy to pass? And I'm sure, I mean, that's what everyone's thinking. I think that the Grizz offense can move the ball on the Cats defense. Cats defense is not that great. I've it's watched not. a few of their games, and you know, I, I think there's a lot of people out there, a lot of Cat fans, being obnoxious on Twitter this week for a lot of reasons. But one of them is <laughs> one of them is uh, you know talking about how the Grizz have lost all their close games, and that's true. But, Johnson wasn't playing. Sure. And sure. frankly, yeah. if even if Britt had been in, I think maybe we'd one of those. So it's like I think they're underestimating what this offense could do. What's that timestamp for Mike mentioning Britt? <laughs> We're only a minute and forty five in. It's twenty we gotta condense things. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Um it, it well Vegan made an interesting comment to me the other day. He said our front seven has evolved so much that we're doing a great job stopping the run. And he said, we want teams to throw on us, which I thought was interesting because their pass defense hasn't been very good. So it's almost like they're, they're reconciling themselves with giving that up. I don't know. The formula that Montana State has established is that they want to run the ball for more yards than you run it for and turn the ball over less than you. That's all. That's pretty much their only uh, formula, uh, their, their simplest formula for, for winning. And uh, so it's interesting. Isn't like the clear, weakest position group they have, their secondary? Which is so ironic because that comes... Why would you... Why would you want people to attack that? I know. Coming into the year, too, it's so ironic because everybody thought that they were going to have struggles on the front seven without Daniel Hardy and Troy Anderson and Chase Benson, and that their secondary, with all returning starters across the board, was going to be lights out, and that hasn't been the case. It's been the opposite. It's been the opposite. I just don't, I just, that's just so weird to me. I've never heard coaches be like, yeah, I want people to attack our weakness. Right. I mean, it's almost like he's trying to play some sort of reverse mind game. Right. It's really odd. Right. Lull, lull, lull you into something. Yeah. But I just don't even know if he has that in him. He's like the least mind games guy ever. He's like the most straightforward, just like dynamic personality. <laughs> Let me introduce you to uh, Robert Howe. <laughs> no kidding. It's like a KGB agent. <laughs> uh, Britt, do you think that Nick Osmo phenomenon is real? Absolutely. You're into Colter, it. Colter, do you think the Nick Osmo I, I, am, uh, I, I have fully come around on it for sure. Uh, you know, I, th- I think the, the thing, one, like Nick Osmo is a big guy and, and like a bruiser, tough to tackle guy. You can find those a dime a dozen quite a bit. Yep. But what he showed, especially like against Eastern, where he's outrunning corners and safeties, maybe who don't care as much, but like... He has that blend of the speed and, I mean, what we've seen these last two weeks, right? Like, this inside zone game works for him, and he's made a lot of money with it against two bad defenses, but this would be a great test. Like, if he keeps his working, like, it's time to fully believe and buy him. Those guys are number one running back. I agree, and we had, um, you know, a couple former players, uh, Cole Palmer and Kai Palmer, on our pod this week. 
And they talked about that. Like, it seems like maybe... Better start listening now because it's going to take it till Saturday yeah, to get through it. you got content between, <laughs> between our pod and everything that Skyline's putting out. You got content. Uh, but they talked about that, that maybe, you know, he's getting more carries, like, yeah. and he's established himself. Like, this rotation might have been hurting all of them and somebody stepped up. Yeah. Well, and Marty Mordaway, who coached the NFL for 25-plus years, I mean, what the Grizz run for their inside zone blocking team is actually very NFL. I think that's why they struggle with it sometimes because you need all all of the pieces to move in synchronicity and if one screws up it makes the whole thing kind of mess up and I think they've had a hard time simplifying it it's simple in premise it's hard in execution but I also think like Coach Marty said you want to ride the hot back there's a real reality you know I think the, I, I think one of the biggest Grizz drawbacks or like downfalls this year offensively is they're trying to get too many guys involved instead of saying hey we got Junior Berger we got Cole Grossman we got Nick Osmo in this case let's roll and I think Osmo, you're right. I think Britt nailed it. Like he see, he's seeing it better because he's getting more carries, and then all of a sudden the whole thing starts to work in synchronicity. There was a point where like I think Cole Grossman had like 12 catches on the season, like for 230 some yards and like three touchdowns. You could have told me before the season that he could have done that one game. I would, uh-huh, I would have been right. like, yeah, that's totally feasible. Yeah, for but sure. It took him like eight weeks to do that. You know who has no trouble finding Cole Grossman? Daniel Brett. Daniel Brett. All right, just making sure. Question for you, Coulter, since we're going back and forth here. Um, do you think that um, Osmo and Gilman, who was fun, was cool fun. to see him get some, get we, some we, this is the This is where you get to when you're in the press box covering these things. In the Cal Poly game, we were trying to find someone with binoculars so we could look in the redshirt section to confirm that Gilman was there because <laughs> we couldn't find him on the sidelines. We're like, well, we want to, you know, it's 63 or 57, nothing or whatever. In, we want to see this kid. And uh, oh, someone's like, oh, yeah, I had my brother look through his camera lens. Oh, yeah, there he is. So you, do you think that, that with Osmo kind of emerging that maybe we're looking at a uh, Justin Green, Lex Hilliard type situation? I'm not comparing either one of those guys to those guys as far as, like, I'm not saying yeah, yeah. anyone's going to be Lex Hilliard, but as far as, like, you're going to have two, and that's going to be it, and nobody else is going to get carries. Because they're a little bit different guys. For sure. Well, the other thing is, like, Osmo does have sort of this brand as this big back. And he is he is a pretty big back, and he's six foot, 215 pounds. But somebody was telling me, I think it was Corcoran, Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, was telling me, He's legitimately one of the fastest guys on the team. I think that's the thing that he. I think that's the thing he showed the last two weeks. It's like he's fast. He's actually fast. So, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see because I do think the Grizz have made progress in the run game. I want to see. The Cats are not. They're. I think they're fine on defense. I think they're good against the run. Uh, I want to see how this run game looks against a much better defense than what they played the last couple of weeks. Cal Poly and, and Eastern had no initiative whatsoever. It was strange. How, how big of a lead, and this is like very presumptuous, but how big of a lead does Montana have to get before Montana State scraps what is their offense and goes to throwing the ball? Like if they're ahead 17 to 3 halftime, see, they're ahead 20 to 3. It's such an interesting question because the Bobcats fabricate almost all of their big plays out of the run game still. Yeah. I mean, they were down 24-9 to against Weber State. And I know caveat, kids snapping the ball in the back hands on all that stuff. It's still they, real. They were down 24-9, and they did not go to the air at all. They straight up went to the quarterback run game over yeah. and over and over again because it's what they do. Could that have been also because of the rain? Yeah, part of it. Well, And the other thing is, like, they kept running against Oregon State, though. For sure. I mean, Oregon State. Didn't score it on every possession save one. So. The the for for the people out there that are naysayers of Tommy Mallott, their offense the Montana State's offense is so phenomenally good because they keep it so simple for Tommy. 
Like against Weber State, they basically said, we're going to run zone read option, and then we're going to roll to the right, and if the guy on the crossing pattern is open, throw it. If he's not, run it. Over and over and over again. It's like playground football, but it's like when you have that guy as, as the athlete, you can do it. That's my biggest uh, question about this matchup, though, is the Cats. Everybody always asks me, what do the Cats do in the run game that's so good? Blow guys off the ball? No. They beat you to a spot, right? They're, they're, it's, it's all horizontal, but they're so good at using their speed and athleticism. I mean, they don't have a single guy on their offensive line over 300 pounds. They just get out of space. They have such an athletic advantage over all the defenses that they play. They don't have an athletic advantage over the defense they play this week. That's going to be the great equalizer is that the Grizz are the fastest defense in the conference. You guys had a question last night on the pod this week that was, can Montana throw for more yards than Montana State can run for? I think that's the question. Mm, yeah. They did it last year times two. Right. Montana State didn't run for 100 yards. I think last year, though. Like, I mean, it was a different quarterback. Yeah. Tommy's obviously a much more like dynamic and like scary part of that run game. But like, does, does Montana's game plan change a whole lot? It's going to depend on who your QB is. Yeah. Right? So, but, I walk in. I mean, that's it'd be a fascinating recipe. I think if Montana throws for more than MSU runs, it's over. I mean, that's, got, that's not, like, that's, like, maybe, like, last year. Like, yeah. two, three, four score wins. Yeah. I yeah. think. I'm not counting. Barring, I'm just saying you know, it did Like, you know, Weaver, yeah, Weaver hikes eight points into the end zone and gives up 21 on, this, on the ensuing, you know, free kicks. And, and still lost by five. Yeah, forty-three. Yeah. Dropped them all. They, they probably would have won that game. That well, that's the thing is that they had multiple drops that that cost them Go. moving the ball. Yeah. Uh, the, I mean, the other factor here is that the Grizz have proven that when they can seize and carry the momentum, that's their formula for victory. And when they can't, they have a really hard time. They get kind of stuck in the mud because they can't ride the lightning of their defense or their special teams. The Cats. It's a good question that Sample just asked. Can they play from behind? So I think that that's going to be the chess match early, right, is can the Grizz seize the momentum, can the Cats tread water? Because if the Grizz can seize the momentum, I think they could just absolutely bury the Cats. But if the Cats can tread water, I think they completely thwart what the entire Grizz game plan is. Yeah, I just think that Montana State's defense is easier to score against than Montana's is. So if one yeah. team is more likely to jump out, I would guess it's probably Montana. Montana. Yep. That's a great point. And I mean... I mean, the fascinating thing as well, too, is we didn't get to see Cats against SAC. Right. Uh, we didn't see Cats against Idaho. Um, so we don't have, like, as much of a... Davis wasn't maybe the Davis they are now. Yeah, and Davis was still... And maybe not. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they are. Maybe not. But, yeah. So well, so, that, see, I was telling... Uh, I was talking to um, Andrew Houghton about this the other night. This is the one part where, like, a team not getting really covered by, like, a, any real media entities, like, on a daily basis. Some stuff gets lost in the shuffle. People don't realize that UC Davis is supposed to have one of, if not the best, offensive lines in the league. They're two all-league guys. They're center and their guard. Pudick and Rogers were both out against the Cats. Now they're back. Like, wa- like watching them against Idaho, I was like, oh, damn. They're, like, running right down Idaho's throat. And then you look, and you're like, oh, well, there's the big boys in the middle. Um, I know Britt's got to go, so anything <laughs> left to add on, on this? Uh, I mean... I, I think that the other dynamic here... So, I, okay, here's the next question for you guys then. The Cats are riding all this momentum because they've won seven games in a row uh, and they're undefeated in Big Sky Conference play. That also that comes with momentum, comes with pressure. The Grizz have a little momentum here in the month of November, but they've also been more battle-tested. So which scenario do you prefer, being battle-tested but also 
uh, you know, not in this driver's seat position or being in the driver's seat position, momentum, but also pressure? You know, I think it's odd, but to say this, I think all the pressure is on the Cats. 100%. Like, the last time they had the opportunity to clinch a real top seed and win the Big Snake Conference, going into this game in Bozeman, the Grizz came in and kicked their asses. And I know that's two staffs ago, and that's a different world. Sure. But, um... I really think that the, it is the pressure, the it pressure is, is on them. Like the, this, this, this game reminds me of two different games. Last year's game in Missoula and the, two, the 2011 game in Bozeman, right? Where where it is. The, the, the Cats have all the pressure. The Grizz have – I'm not going to say nothing to lose because I actually think the Grizz do have a lot to lose. Oh, yeah. Because they have to. I mean, I think they have to get in. I think they have to win to get in. They have to win to secure for a but, for sure spot. For but I honestly, and it's like I know that some cats are going to say, you know, whatever. After that game, we went we went on a run to the national championship, and they did, and it was awesome. Good yeah. for them. Um, but to me, that just highlights the pressure even more to prove that it's legitimate. Yeah. Because beating your rival in runs like this matters, especially when the rival's and, good. You know, you think about it, and it's like if, if the Grizz in their national championship years had lost to the Cats, we'd we'd hear about it constantly. It's totally, the Grizz fans, the three of us, you know, who are, are not neutral. <laughs> um, the, so, to me, the, the pressure's on the Cats in a big I, I, way. I, I agree. I, it is a huge prove-it game for the Cats. I also just think that I think that the the run the Cats went on in the National Championship game is so reflective of Brett Vegan's coaching style, how he is able to sort of reset all the time. I also think that that gives an edge to the Grizz in this game. We, we've talked, and you guys have talked on the Grizz Fan Pod. I've talked on my radio show and on this podcast about how some of Bobby Houck's ways of operating are still so sharp. Some of them are also antiquated. And he, he truly believes the number one factor in football is his play with more passion and playing harder than the other team. I don't know if that matters as much in the scope of the season and in the variability of the schedule in the Big Sky Conference. I do think it still matters a hell of a lot in this football game. Well, I mean, it's how Choate's teams won when they were less talented That's right. That's in right. his era. And that wasn't that long ago. No. Totally. Yeah. Uh, anything else for you guys to add before you got to go do your big boy jobs? Daniel Britt will probably have at least 150 yards. <laughs> at least. Yeah, I mean. Uh, we Daniel did. Britt passed for more yards than MSU. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, all the pressure on the young buck. But he did look good. Uh, it is funny because you guys kind of have a bit going about your love of Daniel Britt. Not a bit. But, but he's good. It's very real. It's real. He's good. He looked great. It's real and it's spectacular. <laughs> you can find all these guys on the Grizz Fan Pod, and uh, maybe we'll do another recap uh, coming into Thanksgiving weekend next week. But it's a uh, fun time of year, great rivalry, and we'll have more of these style contributors throughout this episode here on your Friday. Uh, but thanks for joining me, guys. You bet. Thanks Blackfoot Communications continues to lift up our local entrepreneurs, delivering the resources needed to transform ideas into businesses. Our C2M beta program was founded with the mission to connect local entrepreneurs to more. With access to more professional expertise, more state-of-the-art technology, and more development resources, our 12-week program delivers the foundational and modern skills required to transform influential ideas into thriving businesses. Apply today at goblackfoot.com slash apply. Join Town Pump's Pump It Up Rewards Plus program and never pay full price for fuel again. Save five cents on every gallon every day at any Town Pump across Montana. Plus, earn and redeem points on your favorite in-store items to get free stuff with our clubs. Stop in and pick up a rewards card. Download the Pump It Up Rewards Plus app today. Or visit townpump.com slash rewards to register and start saving. All right, welcome back, Bobcat fans. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the r and Cat Cast. 
I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Foley. He's your host, Ryan Thornburg. We are the Ryans of the RNR, the Montana State affiliate of the Big Sky Podcast Network. And we have a sweet sponsor in Manhattan Bank, taking care of all your banking needs in the Gallatin County. We have four locations, Bozeman, Churchill, Manhattan, and Three Forks. We're here again. It's still Cat Grizz Week. We got like a little Cat Grizz checkup. How you doing out there, Bobcat Nation? That's what we want to know. And so we're sitting here with our good buddy, Coulter Nuanis from ESPN 1029 Missoula and chief editor and producer over at Skyline Sports. Coulter, thanks for being with us, buddy. I like that, dude. I'm going to go start calling myself the chief editor. That's great. <laughs> I, uh, we always just call ourselves the, the co-founders. My brother was teasing about that the other day. He's like, co-founder makes it seem like we don't do all the shit we do. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I know. So chief editor, that's what I'm going to start calling us. So that's great. Thanks for having me, man. And uh, fun being with you guys. And Foley, uh, you sound like a pro, man. You're doing the live reads like a like real-life radio guy. It's pretty impressive. I, I love it. Yeah, he, he's getting it down, man. He's got this down. I do <laughs> I do the outro. He does the intro. We kind of got our, our thing going. For sure. It takes practice, though, right? I mean, I even when I first started doing my radio show on ESPN by myself, uh man i was so like not smooth at it at first and uh but i mean you just keep doing it and you get better and uh oh. also you got great sponsors like manhattan bank so good job this is fun to see this podcast grow you guys are doing awesome and i couldn't do this one alone i have to bounce off of somebody I, I'm, I'm more i'm so much more reactionary in my in my conversation style <laughs> there's no way i could drive oh, the whole thing <laughs> for sure yeah definitely how busy has your week been colter Oh my gosh. I feel like I'm like two weeks behind already. It's only Wednesday, but, uh, it's, no, it's really good. I mean, I was thinking about it earlier. Uh, so, so happy and proud of us and how we've grown at skyline. And now we got multiple guys working for us and uh, a lot to manage, but it's been super fun. And so anybody that's listening, I'll just give a plug right away. We're doing a fun series of stories that we've done for the last couple of years, analyzing some of the top matchups uh, in this upcoming game. And so you can find those at SkylineSportsMT.com. But I just uh, just posted two new ones. Uh, the two matchups that we uh, analyzed today were the uh, Montana State wide receivers uh, versus the, or excuse me, the Montana wide receivers versus the Montana State secondary, and then uh, Tommy Malott versus the hype, basically, right? Because Tommy yeah. Malott is uh, it's so good, right? Uh, but he's never started in a Cat Grizz game, and as we know. Uh, the Bobcats, I think their greatest strength as a team is their ability to stay steady and, and kind of navigate the waters. And then, you know, at the end, make the right adjustments. And, you know, they got this this kid who can just figure out a way to make huge plays down the stretch. And uh, But can he do that in, in this environment, in this rivalry? I mean, it's hard to doubt him at this point. He's been lights out as the starter there at MSU. But uh, interesting just to, th- to think that uh, for as much success as he's had, He's just now coming up on his first year anniversary as the starting quarterback for the Cats. So um, wow. this will whole, be a whole new experience for him. And, you know, that's uh, that's what Brett Vegan always says. He said he's an incredibly smart kid, and sometimes they just need his experience to catch up with his brain. Uh, but you just wonder how much of the feeling out process can happen in this game because what do the Grizzlies like to do? Well, they like to punch you right in the face, and they're trying to just roll you right out the gate. So. Uh, I think that's one of the huge parts of this matchup, but that's our latest matchup story. Uh, is this Tommy Mallott versus the hype and the, and, uh, the moment that will be this rivalry game debut. Do we just want to just kind of dive right into some uh, questions about some of the matchups or anything else we, we kind of want to hit on? 
hold on. I, I want to give props to Coulter because okay. I watched the Miracle in Missoula for the first time yesterday. And I thought you oh did gosh. a good job on camera, yeah, you man. Did, man. Like you were very Thanks, fluid man. in your presentation and the way you t- tell the story, it was pretty captivating to me. So I want to say you, you did a nice job. The, the whole narrative well, of that 2018 game was awesome, but uh, it was well done. Thanks, man. Well, it's funny because I've gotten several texts about that today because as people that don't know, it dropped on YouTube uh, earlier this week. But it's funny. I So I was invited to the debut and I was actually going to be on a panel and talk at the the uh, theater in Bozeman when it debuted. And I helped Dawson with it quite a bit, with, especially on the copyright side of things and stuff. And a lot of that press conference footage as well was from uh, skyline which was cool gratifying to have that stuff used in a, a historical context but i got covid on my birthday five five days before the debut so i couldn't go and then i uh haven't had a chance to watch it this week so you guys have seen more than me but i can't wait for it i i was teasing my mom i was saying that you know be on all the radio writing in the newspaper whatever that's all child's play my whole dream always when i was a kid was to be on a documentary and so cool that it was about cackers football so uh, thanks for saying that. I can't wait to watch that thing, though. I heard it's really good. Oh, it's a oh man, great watch. I think it's good just to paint the rivalry in, in a good light. It's not necessarily all about like pro cats and anti gears. I, th- I thought it just did a good job of uh, describing the rivalry and just a moment in time in the rivalry, basically. And I think you you hit on that so well in the way that you uh, you know expressed that opinion. Well, well, cool, man. Well, thanks for saying. I appreciate it. I want to kind of piggyback on that a little bit because it did shed light on how fierce Jeff Choate felt about the game. I thought the key moment in that documentary is you have a, a camera view of him giving a speech, Cat Griswick, to the players, and the fire that just came from him was just unreal. And so I had a question for you was like, does Montana State need that Jeff Choate mentality in order to win this game, or can they win it? I'm not going to say like a Rob Ash mentality. I, I guess that would be diametrically opposed to that, at least in my view. But does it need to have a Jeff Chope mentality? I know it helps, but does it do do the cats need it? Yeah, man, it's, I think that's going to be the eternal question until it's not anymore, right? Uh, you yeah. Know, what you said, diametrically opposed. I do think these two teams have diametrically opposed styles, right? It's you know, the cats are steady as it goes and uh you know won't be beat attitude and all the things that we've been talking and writing about all year and they just find ways to win and you know some people want to say it's just luck but it's like like i was saying on my radio show i mean if you win the game at the end of the game four times in six weeks it's not luck you you know what you're doing and uh but can they just have that patience and that steady demeanor all the way to the end because Montana's style is just to come out and rip your throat out. That's, I mean, that's what they want to do. When the Grizz start fast, mm-hmm. they seize the momentum and they carry the momentum. They've been unbeatable for the last couple of years. But when they don't and they have to get into a back and forth chess match, they almost never win. Like they, it's been one or the other basically since Bobby Houck returned last year. As we know, what they do, they knock the Cats back on their heels on the second play of the game, and then they just kept on rolling. And uh, you know, I mean, Montana didn't really actually play well on offense at all in the game last year, but they just got out to a good start and they were able to play their style. So, you know, that's all to say, I, I think that it's funny because last year's game definitely plays a huge factor in this because of the Grizz coming in with a ton of confidence. I could tell that talking to Bobby Houck and all his players all week. They're incredibly confident for sure. 
I also think, though, the Cats getting ripped in Missoula last year is an advantage for the Cats. Because I do think the only game in this whole time that Brett Vegan's been the head coach for the Bobcats that he was in over his head was the Cat Grizz game last year. But I promise you, he's not going to be in over his head this year. I mean, he is one of the the best in terms of like the CEO running the organization style head coaches that I've ever seen. And he's so good at quality control and analyzing what they're doing wrong and fixing it. And that's why his teams just get so much better as the team as the year goes on because he knows how to analyze it so well. He's he's such a you know he, he, I think his humility allows him to see their weaknesses. So I think that he knows that they were. Uh, were overwhelmed last year in Missoula. They're back at home. That's a huge deal. But I also, I just think that them losing last year will have their coaches ready to roll and they won't be overwhelmed this year. So I think it'll actually play into being an advantage uh, for the cast. So, uh, but I mean, to answer your question, we won't know. I mean, let's say the Grizz whipped the cats like they did last year, a couple of times in a row. And, and that's just, it's the Bobby Houck style of doing it. Well, then that's, that narrative is going to spring up for sure. But on the other hand, if, sure. uh, if Vegan comes out firing brimstone and, and has a rolling, or they win in the way that he has become accustomed to winning, and I mean they've won a ton of games already under Brett Vegan. How crazy is this? Jeff Choate won 29 games at Montana State. Brett Vegan's already won 22. So I mean he's been winning at such an unbelievably high level already. Uh, but I, I don't know if we'll know the answer to that question until we know the answer to that question. I think it could be either or. Hmm. I think it's such a different approach to this team. This, this The identity of this team is so different than it was in last year, too, especially before the playoffs, before Tommy Lott took uh, control of the team. So I think even like the stylistic approach to last year, which was the Cats get a lead and then just hold on for dear life and let the defense win the game, it's complete opposite this year. Like the offense is winning the games and the defense is the one that's kind of holding on. So it's going to be very interesting to see how it all plays out in terms of both like what they learned from last year, but also how different the Bobcat team operates this year. Well, that's what I mean. I mean, that's what I mean about vegan being so good at being able to, to shift, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you're right. Last year it was get a lead and then just hand the ball to 22 over and over and over again, see if, how far is in. and Fonsec can bleed out the clock and let the defense roll. And uh, now they're just spreading all over the place, running for a million yards and just gashing people. So, you know, I think it is, it shows exactly how Vegan can pivot and analyze. So when you were initially talking about Tommy versus the hype in, in the beginning of this episode here, um, it had a question that came into my mind and I wanted to ask you that uh, before Ryan you know, started talking about some other things. I, does, does I'm not saying, I'm just saying before you went on something else, I'm not <laughs> knocking you, but yeah. do, does Montana state need Sean Chambers to win this football game? Ooh, it's a good question. So I think one of the most underrated stories here is that Bobby Houck on the record and at quarterback club, and this is from sources in the quarterback club. I obviously can't go to quarterback club. Although I, I always thought how funny it would be if I showed up or if I actually <laughs> just paid the dues and went to either Montana or Montana State. So I just, you know, like if I just paid a thousand bucks, like why? Yeah, right. Like why can't I just go? Right. I mean, I'm not to say I just have two thousand dollars to go spend on quarterback club, but regardless. Um, uh, but 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 Hauk has said in public settings multiple times that he expects Chambers to play and that he thinks that's going to be a you know a challenge for uh, the Grizz. Or excuse me, he said it multiple huh. times that he thinks he's not going to play. Excuse me. Okay. How can said he thinks that Chambers is likely not going to play? Vegan has said he thinks he's going to play. Interesting. Vegan said in his press conference that 
Chambers was cleared last week and that they just didn't want to put him out there because they knew they had an overmatched opponent, which, by the way, how bad is Cal Poly? I mean, I can't even believe it watching them two weeks in a row. The only- that game was like, a, it was like a surreal experience. Like, the Cats played their, their the last guys they could play at running back, and they still set a school record for rushing yards. It's crazy. The only team worse than Cal Poly <laughs> I saw was the Cal Poly team that played in the spring of COVID season, which they were even worse. <laughs> Unreal, man. <laughs> I don't Bull know what's Baldwin. going on there. Bull Baldwin's got to figure that out, but that's not working. But it, no, anyways, though, it is interesting that, that uh, Egan says he's going to play it. Hawk says he's going to not. But I do think if he can play, that's a, uh, an interesting new weapon for the Cats. I mean, we haven't seen the full complement of Tommy Malott and Sean Chambers in. I don't know if we've even seen it this season play out. I think they've been we're building up to it, and then both guys just got hurt. So I don't think we've really seen them compete together in the way that maybe Taylor Housewright has envisioned. Um, to this point in the season. So it'll be interesting to see if that actually plays out on Saturday or not. It's weird to me though, Thorny, that Sean Chambers is best when he is in a groove. Best throwing and we talked ball. about that on Monday. Like, yeah, UC Davis was his best game. And I, I still argued that UC Davis was probably Montana state's most complete game, but that came on the heels of him having to take over at Eastern Washington. I don't know if we played Mon or if we, if we played Chambers in spot duty, during this game, it depends. Like, you know, the Grizzlies have the momentum. How is the Chambers going to react to that? If Montana State's rolling and we're gashing them on the outside zone, maybe Chambers is like just, you know, an elixir to all of it. It's hard to say. Coulter, how many, if you had to put a number on it, how many rushing yards do the Bobcats need to win or to be competitive in this game? Man, well, so here's the other thing is, you know, Jay Hill was actually the one that pointed this out to me, Weber State's head coach. It's kind of like an aha moment. And he was like, hey, he's like, you know, what Montana State really, in its essence, does is very simple. He said, Coach Vegan's entire formula is based around rushing the ball for more yards than the opponent and turning the ball over less. And he's like, if you go through their stats, I bet you that they have lost very few, if zero times when they have won the rushing battle and turned the ball over less, both of those factors. I went through it. That's exactly right. Like the cats, I think they've, I think they're like 18 and 0 when they uh, rush the ball more and turn the ball over less. And uh, then I think they're two and four when they, uh, when they don't. So, um, and even this year they're, they outrushed Oregon state, but they turned the ball over and that was it. So I think the answer to that is for more yards than Montana. Certainly. I think that's part of it. I think it's going to be so interesting, though. I think that well, the other part of the the other one of the most undertold stories on the Grizz side is that uh, people are just kind of assuming that Patrick O'Connell is going to play, but like that high ankle sprain is, uh, you know, I mean, he's been out for two games and he's a tough sob. So if he's out, he's hurting for sure. And uh, his ability to set the edge that's going to be such a huge factor. The Grizz have so much depth and they have so many good players on their defense. But I think they only have two great players on their defense, and that's Justin Ford and Patrick O'Connell. Marcus Weldell can be great, um, but O'Connell is also very much superior to their other edge guys. They have a million inside linebackers. I mean, they seriously play six inside linebackers. But as far as outside guys, uh, the drop-off after O'Connell is huge. So if he is... Uh, if he does play, he won't be 100%, and that could be a factor. And if he doesn't play, that's huge. That's a bad loss. It's a, a big loss for the Grizzlies. So uh, I don't know, though. I mean, I think the Cats, with the how much they run the ball, how often they run the ball, and the yards per clip that they get running the ball, I mean, 
you know, if they were held to 200 yards, that would still be, you know, that'd be a third less of what they're averaging right now, which would be actually a pretty significant defensive effort given what everybody else has been able to do against them. But, you know, last year they rushed for like 70 yards. So, um, I mean, I think at least 150, but I probably more like even 200 is probably the magic number. Just given how often they're going to need to run the ball. Yeah, I was thinking like 225 in my head. I don't know where I came up with that number, but <laughs> I feel like less than 200 is going to be a problem for the Bobcats. And fascinating. I mean, fascinating how fascinating how good their offense has been. That 225 seems like a low number for them. Right? It is, but also, oh, but also the Grizz defense, the Grizz run defense has been so good that that seems like an absurd number to get. I mean, yep. Weaver ran for 180 against the Grizz, and it, it was like it was bizarre to watch because I've watched this Grizz team live so often the last couple of years as well. And that's the one thing that they've consistently just been so good at is stopping the run. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be, I mean, I, that's one of the matchups in the game for sure is just uh, best run defense in the conference, best rush offense in the country. I thought about Afonso. Afonso's suited up, suited up this game. He he's, he's planning on suiting up. Do you think, Without Afonso, do you think that's been kind of a silver lining for MSU's production in, in the run game? Yeah, such a good question. I actually, I, I can't remember if it was on my radio show or my podcast. I recorded so much stuff this week already. It all blurs together. But anyways, uh, we were talking about exactly that. I think it was with my brother on the Big Sky Breakdown podcast. I think, we, again, when it comes to that organizational, that organizer, CEO, boss man role, Deegan is so good at at just sort of analyzing the the big picture and, and making the right decisions. And one of the biggest decisions he made last year was don't screw it up. Like you, you got like nine guys who are uh, among, if not the best players in the conference or the country at their position. So like, just play those guys, let those guys produce as much as you can. And, you know, so that's what they were doing with the Ponte is just give them the ball and get out of the way. And, uh, you know, that's such a good offensive line in front of him as well. But I do think their run game has become so much more creative. I mean, I'll tell you this, man. I was teasing Montana State Sports Info. Uh, they were they did such a good job of hooking me up with interviews with the coordinators. I had a, a podcast each week with one of the three coordinators for uh, the Cats. But really enjoyed my time with Taylor House, right? And I was teasing MSU Sports Info, telling them, man, it's pretty crazy. I'm only going to get to talk to that guy like five more times in my whole life. Because I just think he's grown so much. He's so talented and he's so creative. And he's also so young and just has such a good uh, demeanor for like relating to new age kids. He's just going to be a star. And I just, I just, you know, maybe he'll, maybe he sticks around a couple of years in, in Bozeman, but he's going to be big time sooner than later for sure. And, uh, you know, I do think that Alfonso not being there has made it so that they've had to be more creative, but they have been more creative and it's made their run game way, way, way more dynamic. So, Coulter, we're doing a bit of a collaboration here, but we've been asking all the questions. Maybe uh, <laughs> I feel like I, you, I'm sure you have some questions for us. For sure. No no doubt. Um, this has been fun. Thanks for having me. And, uh, oh, sure thanks. Thank you for coming on. Sports. Of course, man. Check out skyonsportsmt.com and keep listening to these guys for sure. Uh, I want to know your guys' perception of Coach Vegan because I think amongst the fan base, there was a lot of apprehension when he first came in just because he was so different than Coach Choate. And I also think that this game, for better or worse, is going to continue to color that, right? Like, there's going to be a certain sector of Bobcat fans that if the Cats get their butts kicked again and it's deja vu from last year and you're a nine-win team going into it and you're a nine-win team coming out of it and it costs you a league title, 
for the second year in a row. There's been a lot of people in the fan base that are saying, all right, well, vegan's been great, but also we got to figure out a way to beat the Grizz. Uh, but otherwise, though, he's been so steady and impressive in last year's national championship run, bought him a lot of leeway, I think, across the board with most rational fans. So, But what do you guys think of vegan now uh, here as we wind down year two? Foley's pointing to me. He wants me to take that. First of all, I think the Cats are going to share the championship no matter what, because UC Davis is going to beat St- Sac State next week. Book that. Nice. Uh, so I'm surprised Ryan wanted me to take this because I think he's much more opinionated on this than me. I think uh, I'm pretty much fully on the vegan train right now. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to see what comes on Saturday, but even if we end up losing that game, just what he's done this season with like so much, so many injuries and so many um, talented players leaving the program graduation. I, I just, I'm fully on board with what he's doing. And I, I believe that he can win a lot of football games at MSU. It might take him a little bit of time to get over that hump in the Cat Grizz game. I hope not. But, you know, I'm I'm the Bobcat fan who I was stoked how last year played out. Losing to the Grizz, make it to the national championship. Like I'll take that every year. Like I it sucks, but it's it's a bigger fish, in my opinion. National championship. I want to win the national championship. Obviously, that didn't go well uh last year in Frisco, but that's kind of how I'm envisioning Vegan right now. I, I'm 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 bought in. I like I'm liking what he's doing, and uh, I think he makes good hires. Young young good coaches like House Right. I was definitely a little concerned when we hired him initially, but this year I'm like, and like you said, House Right's he's a rising star in this profession. So I think he has a how good much, eye for talent. How much has how much has the perception of him changed in the fan base? Because I think that people were ready to just like burn him at the stake after the Cat Grizz game last year. But then they were just like unbelievable on offense in the in the playoffs, yeah. and uh, then boom, they've been lights out. You know, like seriously, best in the country on offense this year as well. It's crazy how much a year can change. I mean, that's what I mean. He's grown so much. He has. I mean, he's a first year, first time head coach. Like that was his first year, and he went to the national championship. And like you said, he didn't screw it up. That was his game plan. Now we're seeing more of I think what Brent Vegan as a head coach is capable of, or what how he kind of runs things. And I'm a fan. So, like, when I spoke to Coach Vegan two media days in consecutive order, he felt a lot more comfortable uh, this year than he did in the first year. I don't know if you got that True. sense, Coulter, but when I sat, sat down Definitely. across from him, his shoulders were at ease a little bit more. There was a smile on his face. And I asked him about this game. I was like, so did you learn anything about the Cat Grizz? And he said, yeah, I did. And I was like, well, are you going to do anything different? <laughs> and he looked at me and he goes, he never gives you too much. And he goes, yeah, we got something, you know, a little bit different planned for this week. And I was like, okay. And so I was talking to Jimmy Beal about that. And Jimmy Beal was like, gosh, I wonder what he's got planned. I'm interested in that now. Um, but I think last year's butt whipping got his attention for sure. I don't know. I, I don't think I'm as sold as like Thorny is about Coach Vegan. I love that we went to the national championship last year. And I, one could argue... Like those are Choch guys, and and I like your narrative, and I agree with your narrative on like he did a great job of not screwing it up. He let the guys be the guys, and and he kept it all about the players, just like Jeff Choch had made that program. But what I'm kind of like still unsure is I don't get a picture behind the curtains. I don't see him in front of the players, and I haven't talked to the players outside of a podcast or an interview where they've allowed me information and say, yeah, he's galvanized the team. The players want to believe in him. We're ready to go to battle for him. Until I hear that, 
I still have like a, some questions because you can still be quiet and command a big stick. And if that's vegan, which I think he is, but that was his bravado. You just knew he had that. And I love that about him. That That's something that appeal, appeals to me as just a man. I don't know. Does vegan do that? I'm not sure. So I still have some reservations when it comes to coach. Question for both of you. Is vegan a victim of coming after a guy like Jeff Choate? Or would he be automatically the hero if he came right after Rob Ash? Ooh, yeah. That's a good question. <laughs> well, the, first of all, I think the Bobcat fan base has been spoiled in terms of the personalities of their head coaches. Uh, Rob Ash aside, Rob Ash was like, you know, straight as an arrow. Like, so we're going to have to look at the know. film, Rob Ash. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Hat on a hat. Solid. You know, <laughs> 11 on 11. You know, like, God. Uh, yeah. uh, but goddamn, that guy knew a lot about football. He taught me a ton about football. I was actually, so I was thinking about that the other day. I felt, uh, very thankful to have him as the first coach that I covered on like a quote unquote big time newspaper beat. Cause he was very cordial and he explained things very well. And he would bring me into his office all the time and uh, he would get on the board and draw stuff up. And he was just a great teacher. He was just sort of in over his head when it came to the, uh, the magnitude of certain things that it took to, to be elite, sustained elite at Montana state. But no, but camp has been spoiled, man. I mean, for real, as somebody that's now worked in sports journalism for 16 years and, and somebody that's studied the history of coaches in the Big Sky Conference, Jeff Choate and Mike Kramer are two of the most dynamic, amazing, unique personalities ever. Like for any player or coach or anything, man, it's, it's, it's so interesting. So I do think that colors the opinions that people have. Um, but yeah, I mean, imagine if if uh, Brett Vegan came when Rob Ash came, but then went 21 and four right out the gates, went to the national championship game. Like people would be wanting to build a statue of him. So, you know, it, I, I do think that, and again, that's why it all goes back to this game because vegan has been yeah. unbeatable in the FCS, except against NDSU and Montana. That's it. He is undefeated against the FCS. Besides that, that you can't, you, I mean, you can't knock that no matter how small the sample size is. So, you know, I mean, I've covered the Cats intensively for 12 years. I've never seen them win in Flagstaff. I've never been to a game when the Cats won in Flagstaff until this year. Never, I've never seen the Cats. I've only seen the Cats win in Ogden once, and it took a superhuman Daenerys McGee effort. So, you know, at least we forget that uh, no matter how good the Cats have been, they've had pro problems winning at the tougher places to play in the league on the road, and Vegan's done it. So, though, I mean, Choke has an elevated reputation amongst Bobcat people because he beat the Grizz four years ago. That's why this game colors it so much because, again, if they lose this year, people can start questioning, even though, like I said, he hasn't lost to any FCS teams except Montana in the regular season. It would be almost like if you could take the best of Jeff Choate and the best of Bryn Vegan and then just marriage that together, Bobcat fans would just be like in heaven. But here's a hot take okay. for you. If Jeff Choate would have been the coach of the Cats last year, they would have beat the shit out of the Grizz and there's no way they would have went to the national championship. Exactly. That's yeah. right. That's, right. that's what I'm saying. That's why I'm on the vegan train at the moment <laughs> and, and to be honest too like going to the national championship is opened my eyes to these this cat team this coaching staff in a different way like to me I, and i know this this week is all about the cat grizz but the pressure feels not as uh, the magnitude of it is is not as big for me personally because i know we have 
like the the playoffs ahead of us. And I don't know, yeah, yeah, we yeah. could the Cats could get whipped on the first the first game. We could lose out seriously. But you know, a semifinal. I think at, at this point for both the the Grizzlies and the Bobcats, semifinal. If if you're not making the semifinal, then what are we doing right now in the FCS? So I, that's where my my eyes, my feelings tend to go. Totally. There's also a chance too here, though. Like that's the other thing is that if the Grizz win on Saturday, people are going to say it's because Brett Vegan isn't fiery enough, or he's not Jeff Choate, or he doesn't know how to you know, get guys up for the rivalry. But what if just X's yeah. and O's wise, it's the worst matchup in the league for the Grizz or for the Cats? I mean, because it is. I mean, the Grizz are the worst matchup in the country for the Cats because the Grizz are the fastest defense in the conference. And the thing that the Cats do in the run game is they stretch you horizontally. That's why they can get away with this undersized offensive line because they're so athletic. They beat you to the perimeter. They seal you off. The running backs are so good at cutting all that stuff. Tommy Watt's so good at seeing it. But the Grizz are going to beat you to the spot. And so, you know, they're still going to be able to get some room, getting a backside and gaps and stuff like that. But uh, I, I guess what I'm saying is that I hope people understand that there's a matchup element to this as well as the intensity of the rivalry. Oh, for sure. There's definitely a lot more X's and O's than there is just the fact that it's the brawl of the wild. I mean, football is all about matchups. We know that. Um, Coulter, uh, I want to be respectful of your time. I know you mentioned you wanted to be about 20 minutes on this bad boy. We're pushing 30 already. Is there anything else you want to ask us before we get out or anything like that? Well, well I mean, I guess I'll just get out of here on this then. Uh, what are your, what's your guys take on this game? I mean, what's kind of your feeling about the Grizz and what do you think of just this matchup on Saturday? Just like every year. I some days I feel like we're going to win some days like there's no way we're going to win you can, it depends on when you ask me Coulter I'm, I feel right now I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty I'm feeling pretty confident like in a in a about the Bobcast chances in this one I don't think it's going to be a blow up by any stretch but I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good I'm I uh what we've talked about Brent Vegan learning a lot a lot more weapons a lot more non non-reliance on workhorses and just the fact that the Grizz won't have the Washington Grizz crowd fueling their momentum-based system, I think, are things that are making me feel okay about the Bobcats' chances in this one. I feel like this week is a crescendo every year. It looms in my mind every year. It gives me all the feels from good and bad. And like you, Ryan, I feel wishy-washy from day to day i feel better going into this cat grizz than i did last year i really like our offense a lot better i think we are more dynamic uh we're just not taking matt mckay and running afonso up in some gap scheme uh that was into the teeth of the grizzlies and i think Coulter is right i think what montana does really good is matches up really well with what montana state does really well so i don't know to me this feels like a coin flip one thing I don't want to see is just like a a blow a blowout either way. I mean, if the cats win, that would be good for us, right? I mean, as a cat fan, <laughs> a, a cat fan podcast, that's like what we would love, like 2019 incarnate, like that would I would love that. But I don't foresee that happening. Mm, I don't know. Like I get really kind of nervous about the, these type of games. <laughs> it's a good non-answer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be fascinating. Yeah, I, I don't think we're going to see a blowout. Um, just <laughs> I think that we're not going to see a blowout for two reasons. I think the Grizz defense is so good, and they also will sacrifice certain other elements of the game to just like make like James Madison was way better than them, and they were destroying Montana last year. And the, the Grizz were able to to shorten the game and play good enough defense and special teams to w- lose twenty eight six. You know, I mean, they still got their asses kicked, but 
like, you know, when it was 21, nothing in the first half, you're sitting there thinking, Oh my God, they're going to, they're going to get beat by 40, but they can mitigate it. But then the other thing is, it's not going to be a blowout on the other side either because the Grizz offense isn't any good. So, you know, they have some serious issues. They have great talent, and they have serious issues getting those guys the ball. And now I think they're coming in with a rational confidence because they just beat the worst two teams I've ever seen and put up 120 points in those games. So, uh, but because of that, though, I just I think it's it's catered to be a good game because you know the Cat offense will certainly test the Grizz defense and. Uh, you know, the cat defense has been up and down for sure, but the Grizz offense isn't really that good. So, you know, I, I just don't, I think there is a four, I think the, 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 the spread opening up cats, two and a half point favorites. I think that's exactly right. You get two and a half points for Bobcat stadium on a, a Saturday in November. And other than that, I think it's a coin flip, even matchup. So I think you guys are spot on. All right, Colter. Well, I guess we'll let you go, man. I really appreciate you coming on the show and uh, sharing some insight and uh, having a fun conversation about the best and worst week of the year. Love it. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Whether you're in the restaurant business or you just want to host any big event, JMV Restaurant Supply can make sure you have everything you need. JMV Restaurant Supply is your home for everything kitchen. Whether you're a bear or a bobcat, an eagle or a Scotty, JMV Restaurant has everything you might need. They have locations in Bozeman, Billings, and Great Falls. If you can't make it in, JMV also has a great website, jvrestaurant.com. Get everything you need for your next event at JMV, your restaurant specialist. Blackfoot Communications just launched new business services delivering big value to smaller firms. With reliable voice, fast internet, business-grade Wi-Fi, and around-the-clock support, Blackfoot ensures you remain connected to your customers, employees, and communities throughout the day, every day. For more information, go to blackfootsmallbusiness.com. Connect to more with Blackfoot Communications. Join Town Pump's Pump It Up Rewards Plus program and never pay full price for fuel again. Save five cents on every gallon every day at any Town Pump across Montana. Plus, earn and redeem points on your favorite in-store items to get free stuff with our clubs. Stop in and pick up a rewards card. Download the Pump It Up Rewards Plus app today. Or visit townpump.com slash rewards to register and start saving. Rivalry week. I don't even know what else I have to say. I've recorded so much stuff this week already. It's just like all swimming in my brain. But we're down here uh, Westpac Wealth with my great friend Nick Tabor, who's been helping us uh, throughout the year, both with some insight and observations about uh, the Grizz and the Big Sky Conference, as well as uh, with some uh, financial tips of the, uh, I don't know, I can't even say a week because it's it's sort of sporadic, but he's been helping us with some questions and answers about uh, the wide world of finance as well. And uh, here we are, man. It's crazy how fast it all goes. It's the end of the year. Uh, how you feeling? Rivalry week. It's always an exciting time of year around Montana. Oh, I can't wait for Saturday. <clears throat> Saturday kickoff at noon. It's, uh, this game, I remember in 2004, I think it was four or five, the, the game here when Jimmy Wilson was playing. And that's the first time I think I ever realized that noticed like the hitting is just 50 times harder. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it, the intensity of the game is just unbelievable. So I'm not going. Uh, kind of talked myself into going this earlier this week, but the tickets are four or 500 bucks a pop if you can find them. So I'll be watching it here in Missoula. But I can't. Well, I, there's a lot of salty people around uh, 
the western part of the state because college game day is in Bozeman. But you had some good stuff on Twitter. You're like one of the only guys on Twitter that's not sitting there saying, oh, well, it should be in Missoula. He's, I mean, it's a good moment. I think the thing that a lot of people that are salty about it are missing is that they chose this opportunity first and foremost because of the game and because of the rivalry. Right. And second of all, to come to Montana – and it just happened to be that the schedule worked out that they're coming to Montana to come to Bozeman. And there's also just like the element of accessibility. It's a little easier to get in and out of Bozeman on a national level and, you know, whatever. But uh, the thing is, like, the, this thing is going to be on campus at Montana State. and They're going to show some of the fans and stuff, but they're going to give the two programs on the rivalry equal treatment in terms of the coverage. So I think it's actually excellent for both Montana and Montana State. Oh, 100, 100%. I mean – I think I've seen most people. I mean, certainly some people have been like oddly salty, um, and I think that there would probably be a similar sized crowd of Bozeman fans if it were to be here. But I think most people are just kind of bummed that it's not here for obvious reasons. But for me, um, I mean, we should be proud of the fact that we laid the groundwork and we did a ton of work last year to try and get it here to Montana. And you're exactly right. The eyeballs are going to be on the state of Montana. Um, and it's going to be an absolute blast. I mean, Bozeman is going to be on fire. They already are on fire. I think you said you saw some, the, the bus rolled into Bozeman, right, as of whatever, noon today. And uh, it's going to be tremendous exposure for this state, but also um, – and it's going to be an absolute blast. I mean, Bozeman is going to be on fire. They already are on fire. I think you said you saw some, the, the bus rolled into Bozeman, right, as of whatever, noon today. And uh, it's going to be tremendous exposure for this state – but also uh, longevity and how many games played. And and honestly, there's not that many. There really is not that many in-state, like, intense rivalries like this. I mean, you think of, like, the Civil War, like the like the Washington-Oregon. Um, I mean, I don't even think, like, the Florida schools have that as intensive of a rivalry because they're kind of in different co- conferences. Like, same with the Texas schools. Like For sure. UCLA, USC, I mean – Half of L.A., most of L.A. doesn't give a crap about that. I mean, it's like, it's just a different deal. I was telling, talking to Jill about it. It's totally. like, it's, it's actually very, very unique. For and, sure. Um, and very, incredibly unique since it, at our level, and it's not at the big level. So it's, uh, no, I'm not, I think it's just phenomenal. I love it. Um, and I, for obvious reasons, I think people wish it was here, over here. But, you know, the old saying goes, you can wish in one hand and <clears throat> you know what in the other. So... I think it's just going to be phenomenal exposure for this rivalry to the state. Um, you know, the state's kind of hot right now, man. Yellowstone and the, the match a couple of years ago. and I, know. I mean, Montana's Montana's It's hot. been discovered. Montana is hot. And I don't think that's a bad thing because one thing I'll say about one of the weirdest things that I've seen is people, like, talking about how, you know, Bozeman is, is not Montana or whatever. Bozeman's hot and people are moving to Bozeman. People are, like... But I will say the people who are moving to Bozeman or even Montana in general, I think, are embracing the Western, like, I don't want to say agriculture, agriculture culture, but just like the Western culture in general. I mean, dressing like a cowboy or a cowgirl is like is like the in thing right now, man. It cracks sure. me up. Like it is. Fun. It's a, funny. PRCA man. rodeo was in Big Sky this last year. Aaron Andrews is there. Like yeah, yeah. a blast. Like all these different celebrities. Like the play they had to bring in bleachers to the PRCA rodeo in Big Sky, Montana this summer because it was such a big deal. So I think it's people that are coming here right now, not always, and I don't think it's the same everywhere, but people who are coming here right now are, are embracing our culture from what I can tell. 
So I don't think it's a bad thing. It 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 is. I mean, it's just like anything in life. Yeah, there's some you can have you can have opposing opinions on any of it. Things like growth and progress, you can't change it. So you just got to figure out a way to have a positive attitude about it. Like you can see her, you can see her hate all day long that you don't want people moving to Montana. I hate to tell you, it ain't changing. The Yellowstone's not going anywhere. Like the, the show ain't going anywhere. The I mean, but it's not just that, right? I mean, the explosion of Montana State Universities had a huge impact on the growth of Bozeman and the growth of the state. And you know, I think that. Missoula has seen a huge boom because there's like a new industry in Missoula, right? Like most of our dads were working in old school industry. My dad's right. working in mining. Your dad's working in trucking. Like yeah. now people are working in tech, but that's good. You know, it's all, you need industry to be based on. So, well, as they say, culture, if you're, if you're not growing, you're <clears throat> going the other direction. I mean, that, right. that's a true, if you get stale as a, as a university or as a community, it's not good. For the evolution of a, of a community. So, no, I, I'm on board, man. I love it. And, you know, it is what it is. We can't we can't do anything much about it anyway. Big Sky Breakdown. The last one of the week before the uh, the rivalry commences for the 121st time. Should be a really fun day uh, in Bozeman. I've talked so much about what I think are the key matchups. But then I just had a great conversation with our mutual buddy, Ryan Tutel. He wanted to do a little impromptu pod. And I said, sure, let's do it. Why not? And uh, like he said, he's like, man, I've been reading all this mashup stories on Skyline Sports and listening to all your uh, podcasts. He's like, none of it matters, man. He's like, this, this, just throw it all out. It's all about who comes to, shows up to play on Saturday. So, I mean, what do you think of just the, the matchup? Because I do think these two squads are both good. Uh, some would say really good. And uh, they have, I think they have completely opposite strengths and weaknesses, right? Like the Totally, 100%. The Cats run the ball great. Grizz stopped the run well. Cats aren't that good on defense. The Grizz aren't that good on offense. You know, you got a coach on one side who's been in this thing a million times. I mean, he's been in it 12 times as a head coach, and Bobby Howe can also been in it a couple times as an assistant. And then you got a guy who's in his second time, and the first time he didn't go so hot. So uh, where are you at with just the game in general? Oh, I find it fascinating. I think, uh, you know, the Cats have got magic going this year. That's one That's one of the things that, that uh, from, a, from a Grizz fan's perspective, you know, you always have to. That's just they just have, they figure out a way to win games. Um, what's interesting to me is is I think that their defense is not as good as it was last year. That's for sure. And I think our offense is better if we've got all the pieces. If Lucas Johnson plays, yeah. And I actually think that Daniel Britt certainly. I don't think they're out of the game if by chance Lucas does not play and Daniel Britt plays. But I think obviously it's a much taller task. But given the fact that if we have all our pieces, our offense is better than it was last year. So that's an interesting dynamic. Their offense, I mean, they ran for a ton of yards against Weber State. So, I mean, we do have a phenomenal rush defense. But they, I mean, they're good. They can run the ball. So if we can get first downs and we can limit their ability to get first downs, I think is going to be a huge component in this game. So that's what I'll be looking at. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, I think that that the Cats have done such a good job of – crafting this offense where they can use their speed. And I don't just mean their speed in the skill positions. I mean their speed on the line, too. They're the fastest line in the league. Usually don't are describing linemen as fast, but they are fast. And they, they beat you to the spot. And that's why they can run this sweet outside zone scheme, uh, even though they don't have a 300-pounder on their offensive line. And I think that that 
Is that, is that true? They don't have one 300-pounder? I guess Rush Reimer's listed at 300, but he's probably more like 290. Huh? But, yeah, I mean, wow. that's that's my new nickname for them, man. They're the over-under 300. They've got nobody over 300 pounds, and they rush for 300 yards every game. Well, Colter, I will say, we, talk, <laughs> we talked about this before the season. And it'll be interesting. Remember how we talked about how it's You texted me a picture of the Cats depth chart, right, in August. And you're like, yeah. man, look at this is what we've been talking about. Smaller Quicker offensive linemen. And, and they, we said it'll be it. interesting to see how it shakes out, and yeah. I would agree. I think that in hindsight, I think the Cats probably, from what I've seen, have uh, have probably had the most effective offensive line. I mean, the run game is ridiculously efficient and explosive. So that's going to be – I can't wait, man. That's going to be a hell of a matchup. I hope that Patty O'Connell's help. For sure. I think that's one of the keys in, the, I think in this he game. Is. Just because, you know, he looked fine the evening as Cal Poly on the sideline. He wasn't dressed out, but he was kind of walking around like he, was, he wasn't – in a boot or anything like that. And then he was all taped up, but dressed out against Eastern. I think if he had to go, he would have against Eastern. So I think he's going to be healthy, but I, I think that'll that'll be huge for us. I do too. Uh, I think that uh, the Grizz defense is so fast, and I, w- I want to know how much that eliminates the Cats' speed advantage. I think that's one of the keys. I also, I also think, though, that the – the Grizz, there's been all this talk about the Grizz receivers being good, and they have talent. And I know part of the reason they haven't been super productive is that the offense has held them back with Lucas Johnson being out, some of the play calling issues that they've had. But they just, I mean, they got to have some guys step up, man. Like, they do. Regardless of if it's on the coaches or on the players, the organization has to come together and give their playmakers the ball. Like right now we're sitting in game 10 and Junior Bergen has 16 catches. Yeah. I just wrote that. That's crazy, right? Yeah. Aaron Foss has been out lately, so I don't know. That might be a missing piece as well. But, like, somebody's got to rise to the occasion, and I think it, it it's going to need to happen for the Grizz now and going forward, too, not just in this game but also into the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I, to me, I mean, the offense the offense has, has felt way too clunky for given the amount of talent we have. I mean, that's just – that's just that's – just, that's just, I think anybody, coaching staff, observers would have to agree it's felt clunky even when they've – I would say maybe obviously the last two weeks is different, but you know, <clears throat> Cal Poly and Eastern, as we've all talked about, didn't seem like they wanted to be there that bad. But uh, so I agree, man. They got they got to figure out how to get the playmakers a ball. I mean, the coach, the the, uh, the coach, the play calling to me has not. They have not found a hot hand and kind of stuck with it. And I think that maybe simplifies a little bit too much, but you got to figure out how to get your playmakers a ball, and that's just For the bottom sure. line. And I, you know, if they can do that and they can stay on the field and get first downs. Then I do like their chances this weekend. You buy it or sell a Nick Osmo as a uh, a true every down elite running back. I'm buying it. I would buy if I. I think you and I talked about this too. But beginning of the, before, I guess last year, I, I felt like if they would have had a healthy Nick Osmo last year, they would have been a different. Even a, he would have made a huge difference because of what they had to do with running back. I think the dude. He's only a sophomore. He played as a true freshman in 2019. Yeah, that's right. right? Yeah. So I think he actually is a, like he's actually a soft like it would be a redshirt sophomore. That's right. That's right. Um, like like in that, not like oh I guess there would be a COVID year so I guess technically he would be a junior, but the dude is young. He's got a lot of ball ahead of him, and I I love watching. I think he runs hard, and I think he's got good balance, and I think he's actually pretty fast. He he's really like fast. He's, He's, he's one of the fastest guys on the team. Bobby Huck said that at his coach's show last night. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, we didn't really get to see because he never really broke in the second level. And then when they were playing these awful defenses, you got to see him break in the second level. And he outran right. everybody. I mean, 
Yeah, he's got great top end speed. I don't yeah, know. what he had like that seventy yard run where he, they couldn't catch him. I mean, he he. I, I think it takes him a minute to get there, but like once he's going, he's fast. Yeah, for sure. No, I'm buying, man. I absolutely. And I the reason I say that, or the reason I say that he would have made a huge difference last year. I mean, this year they've had a lot of depth. But last year we all we all know they didn't, but. Because he came, the one play he came in for in one of the later games of the season, and then got hurt right away. But the the way that he hit the hole was so much different. It was so so noticeably different than the really young small guys that we had. Mm-hmm. That it was like it, you just know he would have made a huge difference. So no, I'm buying. I think Nick Osmond was a stud, man. I hope he goes for at least 150 this weekend. <laughs> Gonna need it to happen. Uh, anything else on this game before we talk some financial stuff? No, I just I'm fired up. I'm fired up for the state of Montana. I'm fired up for game day. I'm fired up for the game. I just uh, go Grizz, baby. I hope they go and go, go and get it. But regardless, it's fun. It's a fun week. I know it's a lot of work for you. Oh, buddy, you've been killing it, man. Thanks, man. Uh, but it's 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 so cool and so unique, and uh, I just I just love it. So yeah, can't wait. What are you thinking in the uh, the wide world of finance? What's uh, what's going on? I. Um, I want to harpen back on uh, our so our philosophy cultures, and as you know, you've, you've had a good taste of it. But our philosophy is protection first. So, one thing I tell all of our all of our, your listeners, because you have like millions of them. That's right, right? millions of people around. So, the world. Um, what I would say is, you know, financial financial planning. If you our our philosophy is protection first. So we we always want people to ask us questions about the whole world of, of financial protection. But what we really talk about is liability protection. What happens if, some, if, if something happens in today's litigious society where we're liable in our, finan- our financial world, what we've accumulated and what we're going to earn in the future is at risk. So how do we make sure that we're short up in that regard? <clears throat> and then uh, we've touched on a little bit, Coulter, but, um, you know, if, if you have – if you have a business, if you're involved in a partnership, but certainly if you have a family, I mean, you got we got to figure out ways to help our clients protect their income against uh, sickness, injury, illness. If they can't go to work because of something like that, how do we ensure that their business can continue on, <clears throat> or their family doesn't have, doesn't experience a significant disruption of income? And then certainly life insurance, and we we have access to every company in the industry. Every type, and so it's a, it's a tremendous educational process for us to take clients through to make sure we help them protect what they what matters most to them in the most efficient way possible. And uh, it's kind of an eye opener. I think it's it's very unique in the financial world. I don't think a lot of our competitors spend a whole lot of time on that, but it's very very important. So, with that said, uh, come and talk to us about it. if you have any questions. Let us know. <clears throat> but uh, that that's the most important place to start. Before we get into all the fun stuff of stocks and bonds and where the market—that's the question I get all the time. Where's the market going? Sure. What's happening? And yet the answer, the honest answer, is nobody really knows. We all—I studied a ton. Sure. Talked to a ton of different high-level analysts, and <clears throat> we have a pretty good idea. But within the ebbs and flows, it's uh, it, it changes very quickly. So, yeah. uh, so discipline's the answer, and a, a systematic approach to it all is, is key. Well, it goes back to like the most essential part of building wealth is being able to generate income first and foremost, right? And then if there's a uh, scenario in which you can't, you have to be protected against that. Right? That's the engine that makes it all go. So we have to make sure that uh, that you know it's funny in today's world culture. Do you have do you have insurance on your cell phone? Uh, I think I do. 
I can't okay. even remember. I, <laughs> I, I went and bought tires. Yeah. The other day, snow tires. Yeah. You can insure your tires. Whoa. I mean, you can insure. It cracks me up. So, you know, and again, a lot of that stuff's a waste. Admittedly, a lot of that sort of stuff is a waste of money. But when we're talking about financial planning, we it, it begins and ends with cash flow. Whether that's a business, whether that's personal, whether it's, you know, family, whatever the case is, it starts and ends with cash flow. So, yes, we need to make sure that we have that well protected. Financial tips from Dick Tabor, plus some football analysis here on the Big Sky Breakdown. It's been a fun week, and uh, we'll have tons of coverage for you at SkyOnSportsMT.com. Thanks for being here. Part of the glory of building a business comes from leaving a legacy to ensure your business continues thriving into the future. Have you asked yourself lately, what is your plan? Forming a personalized business succession plan is essential to know the passion you put into your business will carry on. Nick Tabor at Westpac Wealth is here to help you navigate all your business succession and retirement planning needs. Give Nick a call at 728-6699 and keep the spirit of possibility vibrant while making your future more tax efficient with a personalized business succession and retirement plan for you. Also have to thank all of our Fit During Football sponsors as well. I've been trying to really keep the fitness honed in, keep the mind fresh. I made a lot of health changes in my life, gave up the, the drinking, gave up the boozing, and uh, been trying to eat as healthy as possible. And so been staying on track with the help from the guys over at uh, Nutrition on Reserve here in Missoula as I sit here in the Garden City. The uh, High protein intake. It helps you a lot. It helps curb the appetite. Helps also helps with muscle recovery. Helps you feel fresh. My mind feels great, and uh, it helps you work out a lot harder as well. So that's been a, a welcome addition for me, and also been hitting hard at both the Hype House, uh, which is a cycling and strength studio. Awesome place, very welcoming environment. Totally outside my comfort zone, but they have awesome spin classes, but also awesome strength classes too. So you can get your lifting in over there as well and uh, get some high resistance type training. That's uh, really good for building that lean muscle mass. And also got to say thanks to Hot House Yoga. They've been great as well, uh, helping me relax, wind down, you know, it, it, but it does, it kind of juices you up a little bit too, you know, because you, you get to sit there and be with your thoughts and stretch it out. And it's very challenging physically too. A lot of body weight strength being built as well, but you kind of just get to be, you just get to be, and you get to let, let go of things and, and really explore your own mind. And uh, it helps you return to center. And then if you're doing it early in the day or in the middle of the day, boom, you hit it and charge hard towards the rest of the day. So God, thanks all those great sponsors for uh, helping me out. If you want to learn more, you can visit all their websites, Nutrition on Reserve, Hype House, and the Hot House Yoga Studio. But check out all those fine sponsors if you're trying to get fit. I promise you, you won't regret the decision. It's time for our special Cat Grizz edition of Bobcat Sports Saturday. And joining us for Cat Grizz today, we got Coulter Nuanas. He's been with us all season long on Saturdays uh, before the Bobcat home games. He is with SkylineSportsMT.com. That's where his website is. But Coulter, man, this is a big week. I guess records don't matter this week, do they? Well, I think it's, Dave, that we've gotten to the point now, too, where I think the rivalry is back to being in a really healthy place. And I just mean in terms of the competitive landscape. I do think there's still a lot of unhealthy stuff that goes on. I mean, I, I want to just give a PSA to everybody out there. This is just a game of, of young guys playing <laughs> college football. I mean, some people are taking this thing all the way to the max. And I know that, I mean, you know, I, I was thinking about this the other day. Montana was pretty close to getting game day last year. The, the city of Missoula was. And now it's coming to Bozeman. And I think that there's a lot of resentment and there's a lot of uh, you think bad feelings. <laughs> but... I, 
But I also think that people should be happy about that because it's not about game day coming to one of the two towns. It's about game day coming to Montana. And so I hope people can find a, a silver lining in there. But in terms of your question, I do think that uh, for a long time, just on the competitive element of this rivalry, it was really lopsided in the Grizzlies' favor. And I think that's what made so much of the vitriol exist. I mean, when you lose a game 16 times in a row and you're talking about rubbing it in and, you know, the Cats were the once proud team that had multiple national championships but then couldn't get in the playoffs and the Grizz rose the national championship status, the, the unbalance of that I thought was very unfun and very unhealthy. But then since the Cats have uh, had this resurgence, now over the last 20 years we're talking this thing's dead even. I mean, since 2002 when the streak is broken – uh, I think it's 10-9 to 9 in favor of the Grizz. So it's been pretty much dead even since then. Cats had their four-game winning streak leading up to last year, then the, the Grizz snapped that. So uh, I, I do think you can throw the records out the window, but I also think this rivalry is the most fun and the most important it can be. But both teams are playoff teams. Both teams are vying for Big Sky Conference Championships, and that's what we got going this year again. Well, I tell you, Coulter, you know, Vegan's done a great job with the Bobcats, but he did lose, you know, to the Grizz last year. And after Choate winning four in a row, uh, I'm sure he's feeling a little pressure, like, I got to beat those Grizz this year because uh, he doesn't want to be 0-2. I mean, and this is like the, the dichotomy of all dichotomies, right? There's always been the debate among the fan bases. Would you rather beat the rival or win it all? And the Cats came one game away from having that exact question posed to their entire fan base for all time. But it is. It's fascinating. I mean, Brett Vegan has won 21 games at Montana State in two years. Jeff Choate only won 29. Yeah, and Brett four. Vegan is 0-1 against the Grizzlies. Jeff Choate was 4-0 against the Grizzlies. <laughs> the perception of the coaches is yeah. skewed by this one game. And so – yeah, it really is. I think it, it it is the last remaining thing. I mean, it's Montana and North Dakota State. Those are the last remaining uh, obstacles, last remaining Goliaths for, for Brent Vegan to, to slay because other than that, he has been lights out. He's been as good as I possibly could have imagined him being at Montana State. Are we going to be able to keep him? That's, that's the other one because, man, the more success he has here, all those other programs want him. Yeah, and he, he's been in the mix uh, at, for the Colorado opening. Uh, the thing I think that is going to keep Brent – I think there's a couple things that are going to keep Brent Vegan – or it's going to be hard to, to take Brent Vegan away from Montana State. I think uh, the two main factors are, one, his family, because he's got, he's got sons that are of a college age. You know, one of his sons, Jake, is about to play for the Cats, and another one of his sons, uh, we'll see if he keeps developing. But, shoot, the kid's already taller than his dad, and his dad's about as tall as it gets. So, uh He's got some kids with uh, some potential to play at the college level for sure, and if they're playing for their dad, that's a tough, uh, tough deal to walk away from. And I think the other thing is just the institutional momentum of Montana State. I mean, talk about just got it rolling. I mean, now college game is just the next feather in the cap for MSU yeah. athletics. I mean, they have had about as good of an 18-month span of any athletic department in the history of the Big Sky Conference, and you're working at a university that's booming in a town that's booming. And uh, you got a just lights out president who is just so great at everything that she puts her hands on, and that's why they're Cruzado. So uh, I do think that it's going to take a hell of an offer for Brent Deegan to ever want to leave Montana State. So let's talk about what this game means for both teams. Uh, we're undefeated. The Cats are undefeated in the conference. So either way, whatever happens today, we're, we're going to the we're going to the playoffs. Uh, that's not the case necessarily for the Grizzlies. If they lose today, they're out, right? 
Uh, it, it, man, it just depends on what happens around the rest of the country. So it is a 2014 playoff bracket. A seven and four Montana team will be squarely on the bubble. The uh, the 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 selection committee they weigh your strength of schedule. Montana does have a good strength of schedule and a, and a better strength of schedule than Montana State because the Grizz played Sac State and Idaho, who were both playoff teams coming out of the Big Sky, and the Cats did not play those two teams. I mean, that's just completely randomness by the Big Sky Conference. It's not the Cats' fault by any means. That's just the way that the you know random number generator drew the eight teams that you play out of the. Both teams in the conference, yeah. but I digress. The uh, the unbalanced schedule has been controversial for a long time, and then you know sometimes though it works in your favor. But either way, I think that the Grizz at seven and four, they're probably going to need some help. But because of the revenue sharing model in the FCS playoffs, uh, it's very advantageous for the the bracket itself to have Montana in the bracket because they're going to share revenue from from the ticket sales of a Montana home game. So. Uh, you know, we'll see. I think I think the, the easiest way to answer the question is, if Montana wants to make sure they're in, they got to win today. Yeah. Cats, I think if they win, they're going to get a top four seed, and they'll have home field for at least one, if not two, games in the playoffs. And uh, if they lose, I think they they might fall to the eight seed. But I think more realistically, if the Cats were to lose, they'd probably fall right outside that seeded uh, uh, part of the bracket, and then they would have to play Thanksgiving weekend at home. Uh, but probably against uh, one of the bottom teams in the in the playoff bracket. So, uh, Cats are sitting a lot better than the Grizzlies in terms of what this game means for their playoff hopes. Um, but I think both teams could really help themselves by winning, and uh, probably a lot more to lose for Montana if they lost this game. Well, one of the big things for the Cats today, though, is they want to stay higher ranked than North Dakota State, don't they? Because if we do, we would get that home game, right? If we met in the playoffs. Yeah, that's right, and uh, it would be fascinating to see because NDSU has been so, so, so good, but they also have never had to leave their humble yeah, abode. They I mean, always play at home. They haven't played outside of Fargo in the playoffs since 2010. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. anybody trying to avoid going to Fargo would be would be a hell of an advantage for them and a hell of a disadvantage for the Bison. So, yeah, so we, I mean, that, that's hanging out there, uh, you know, besides the fact that it, it's Cat Grizz. Uh, going into today's game, let's talk about the Bobcats. Actually, let's start with, with Missoula, uh, quarterback. They they did not do well when their first-string quarterback was not in. Is is he back to healthy again, and will we see him today? Yeah, that's a, it's a fascinating question, because this is where this game has gotten so crazy. Um, Montana was up. 35 nothing last week, and Lucas Johnson, their, their senior quarterback, uh, he rolled his ankle. I was watching in the press box to play. You could see Eastern Washington defender tackle him at his legs and, and roll up on his ankle. And uh, that was right before halftime. He limped off the field, but he, he did walk up under his own power. But they're up 35 nothing, so you, you're thinking the backup's going to be in it either way. Well, then... Lucas Johnson doesn't come back out after halftime, and then he comes back out on crutches oh. after halftime with a walking boot on. But immediately, uh, you know, our sideline photographers sent me pictures. I put it on Twitter, and immediately my Twitter feed blew up with a whole bunch of Bobcat fans saying, oh, that's his gamesmanship. I watched the injury. He's not hurt. <laughs> so <laughs> here comes the murky waters of Cat Chris. So to answer your question, I didn't think the injury looked that severe. I'm not a doctor, so I really don't know. 
but I would fully expect Lucas Johnson to play today. It is pretty funny, though, that the Grizz are doing this gamesmanship to maybe put the thought in the head of the Bobcats that he's not going to play. That said, though, as well, I mean, you mentioned the backup. It's Chris Brown from Bozeman High School, actually. And he's a guy that the Cats didn't recruit at all. And, you know, I think the kid's a great kid, but he he's, he can't handle being a Division One quarterback. That's been pretty clear uh, in his opportunities, at least to this point. But last year, week uh, when Johnson was on crutches, they went with the freshman, Daniel Britt, and he's a lot more explosive, better dual threat. A little bit reminiscent of Tommy Watt a little bit, is in the ability to run. So um, we'll see, but I totally expect Johnson to play. All right, now flip it over to the Bobcats. I, I mean, the, the Grizz have racked up a lot of yards and a lot of points in the last two weeks. Now, they haven't played the best teams of the conference, but nevertheless, uh, they've been pretty successful. While at the same time, we've racked up some points too, but our defense, man, our secondary has not looked great in the last two games. So what what's the talk about them going into Cat Grizz today? Yeah, it's so interesting because Brent Vegan, uh, in our one-on-one interview earlier this week, he talked about how their front seven has really emerged and is playing at a really high level, and that's basically been able to limit and, in some cases, erase the run game of the opponent. Well, then that had been, in turn, is going to make the opponent throw. Also, that Northern Arizona and Cal Poly didn't really have much intent to run the ball. They just wanted to throw the ball. And so Montana State's secondary, which has played a bunch of man coverage, has been put on an island, and uh, – you know, I mean, what Montana State's trying to do more than anything, they're not interested in in keeping you at a really low yardage total. They're trying to get ahead of you. They're trying to bleed the clock, and then they're trying to force a bunch of turnovers. And I think that uh, that sometimes it's a give and take. You're going to give up a lot of yards sometimes when you play the style of defense that they do. That said, though, I do think one of the biggest matchups in this game is Montana State secondary versus the Grizz wide receivers because the Grizz wide receivers have been good. At times, they've also been completely absent at times. I, mean, I mentioned Chris Brown's struggles when he was the starter. I thought his wide receivers could have helped him out a lot, of, uh, a little bit more, too, you know, just by getting off the line of scrimmage against Weaver State's corners and, and all that. So uh, we'll see how that plays out, but I do think that's a huge matchup in today's game. What do you think the Grizz will go after? Do you think they'll, they'll try to exploit that, you know, that secondary, or do you think they're going to try to establish some sort of run game, which really well, people haven't been able very to do? It's very interesting because I, I think Montana's best chance not only to win in this game but to win a national championship is to spread it out and throw the ball all over the field. The issue with that is their head coach is Bobby Howe. <laughs> <laughs> he, he doesn't want to do that. He wants to run the ball. That's what he's always wanted to do for the entire time of uh, head coach of the Grizz. And, uh, you know, the Grizz also, though, have had running back emerge. They were playing basically four guys at running back. A couple of them got hurt. One of them quit the team. And Nick Osmo, who was basically their third guy, has got a chance to be the number one guy, and uh, he's been unbelievable. I mean, the guy never had a 100-yard rushing game in his career, and he's got back-to-back 200-yard games. So, again, like you said, playing Cal Poly in Eastern Washington, a couple teams that uh, didn't put forth much fight these last couple weeks. But still, Grizz Rug games looked a lot better. So, uh, you know, one thing leads to the other. I think that both teams are going to do what they do offensively. Uh, and for Montana, I think that does include running the ball a little bit. But if the, if the run game is stifled, it's, it is going to come down to making plays on the perimeter. Well, it's been phenomenal to watch as this season unfolds how our running backs, because I don't know, we're at our fifth running back, our seventh 
rated running back. I don't even know where we are. But it, I mean, gosh, they played a backup wide receiver running back last week, and they still he still rushed for two hundred and fifty. Yeah, yards. like I mean, by halftime, it's, <laughs> like, it's unbelievable. The, the way that the Boston game is is churning right now is it's astounding. I seriously think it is the biggest surprise. And the most pleasant surprise in the entire Big Sky Conference is the performance of Montana State's offensive line and the way they've been able to run the ball. I mean, most teams, if you lose Isaiah Fonse, who's like pretty much Montana State's best player, like you lose him, you're, you are, you're, it, it's an uphill battle to say the least. Well, then you, you know he's going to be out. See, so they bring in a transfer from San Diego State and Kagan Williams, then he's out for the whole year. Most programs would just fully panic. Nope, Lane Sunder comes in, rushes for 175, week one, everything's all fixed. Well, then he gets hurt, and it just keeps on going and going and going. But now, I mean, last week they played with a backup wide receiver and a walk-on freshman running back. They set the school record for rushing yards in the game. I mean, it's just crazy. It's, it's actually beyond comprehension they'd be able to do this. But I think uh, run game coordinator, offensive line coach Brian Armstrong, and uh, those offensive linemen, they deserve all the credit in the world. They're the MVPs of the Bobcats so far this year. Uh, it makes you wonder, like, how many yards would uh, Alfonso have had had he been able to, you know, be healthy and, and complete a whole season? Well, I actually have been thinking about this because, you know, Alfonso is an amazing player. I also think they knew how good he was, but they also knew you're one under a coach that's taken over for a very revered coach. You don't want to get in the way. You don't want to screw it up. So I think that they, they rode their, their stallions basically all the way to the national championship last year. But I think that actually, you know, they don't have one running back that's rushing for 1,600 yards like Afonso, but they've been able to actually exceed that production because they have so many different guys to give the ball to. And I actually think it's made their run game better. You wonder if, like, ironically, having to spread it around has actually made them more diverse and more productive. Yeah, that's an interesting theory. Yeah, I, it's uh, it's been amazing to watch, though, especially last week against Cal Poly. And they just, you know, they're in the first half. They could not stop him at all. Totally. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's been fascinating to watch, and I think that they do such a great job in such a variety of ways, uh, just spreading it around and being creative and not being predictable. And uh, at the end of the day, that that's the formula, right? Montana State is going to beat you if they outrush you and they turn the ball over less than you. They're going to beat you. Yeah. The, I mean, all of their losses have been when they've turned the ball over more. Yep. Or not outrushed you, or both. And uh, I think that's exactly what today's game is going to come down to as well. Yeah, no question. Uh, curious what you think about this theory. Uh, so Tommy Malott got hurt, and then uh, and then Sean Chambers came in and did a great job. But then Tommy came back and he got his he got his starting job back. But then Chambers got injured. I feel like if it actually worked out for the Bobcats in a way because. You know, there was a lot of a lot of people wondered should Tommy come back and, and take his spot because Chambers had done such a good you know good job, but they didn't have to worry about that because Chambers got hurt, so it wasn't like Malat was looking over his shoulder. You know, if he threw a bad pass uh, because Chambers had performed so well in his absence. Yeah, it's another fascinating what if, right? Because I, I do think that it's played out so that there hasn't been any drama because it's been. Both of their turns, and then one guy's turn, and the other guy's turn, and the other guy's turn. And they haven't had to really deal with, you know, who's going to play? Who's the main yeah. guy? That said, though, I do think that they had such a defined plan on how they were going to use both of those guys. And it might actually work out absolutely perfectly for them because now if Chambers comes back, now he can just be sort of a change of pace guy, but that people haven't seen in a while. And, uh, 
it, it could be just another new element, another new ball carrier for their offense. But, you know, it is. It's, uh, it's been fascinating to, to watch it all play out because the, any of the, the potential drama, I don't think those guys would have had drama internally, but the conversation around the community, around the state, around the program sure. might have been one of who's the guy. And uh, that was just eliminated because, you know, Tommy couldn't play while Sean was playing, and then John couldn't play while Tommy was playing. So, uh, But they both done a great job of picking up the slack when the other guy's out. So, obviously, Tommy's going to start today. And his health, I mean, he hasn't shown any ill effects from that injury at Eastern Washington. He looks like he's totally healthy and has been all season outside of that. Yeah, he, yeah, he looks good. He looks, he looks fine from the ankle injury from last year and uh, fine – from the head injury at Eastern, so yeah, no, he, he's uh, he's been great. And what about running back wise? Getting back to that, who who is going to be playing on on today? Do you know? Sounds like Elijah Elliott's back. He's a go. Um, Sumner is like questionable. Lane Sumner's a, a game time decision, I'd say. And uh, of course, Garrett Coon's going to be back there, and then Marquis Johnson. <laughs> I mean, shoot, you know. One national player of the week. Yeah. I think they probably switched it from receiver to, to <laughs> running back. I think they probably tell you you got a new position after you go for 250 and one half. Got to give him a few carries, right? Just to see. Oh, for sure, hundred uh, percent. So, all right. Well, it's going to be a it's going to be a fun game out there today at Bobcat Stadium. They're going to be kicking it off here in just a little bit. Uh, prediction time, Coulter. Uh, who do you think is going to win today's game? Well, as I always do during the rivalry game, I'll give you the Grizz will win if and the Caps will win if. I don't ever do <laughs> public predictions, just, you know, out of the concern of safety of my family. You yeah. know? He, might, <laughs> but, he might run for office no, someday. I, I, I do think this is a great uh, – I, I think this is an awesome matchup because I do think what each team does the best is a countering strength to the other team. So Montana State, like I said, their formula is simple. Run the ball better than you. Run for more yards than you. Turn the ball over less than you. That's it's simple as that. Cats have the best run game in the United States of America. I, I can't say enough good things about it. You know, as an old offensive lineman, I'm obsessed with the run game and watching them execute and what they do is like it's like a symphony to me, man. It's it's exactly if I was an offensive coordinator, I would run the ball exactly how they do it. I think it's a thing of beauty. I think Taylor Housewright is like my idol. I love the stuff he does in the run game. All that said, if I was to play run defense like anybody in the country, it'd be the University of Montana. The Grizz uh, play this. We've we, we deemed it the heavy metal defense at Skyline Sports because it is unorthodox. It's basically the triple option of, of defensive football. They play a crazy, uh, basically two- to three-man front. They play six guys in the box at all times, but those guys are moving parts. They blitz on basically every single down. But the thing that makes it so unique is that when they bring pressure, they don't have vulnerabilities. Usually if you blitz as much as Montana does, you have huge holes. But they got some of the best corners in the league and some of the best safeties in the league. They can erase so much space. And so they are the best run defense in the conference and one of the best run defenses in the country. So you're talking strength versus strength. So I think this is as simple as this. I actually think this is as, as simple of a Grizz will win or Cats will win if – as I've ever done. I think the Grizz will win if they can eliminate the Montana State run game, get in Tommy Mollott's head, force turnovers, seize the momentum early, carry the momentum throughout the day. I think the Cats will win if they can rush the ball with authority, stay ahead of the sticks, get Montana out of their gaps, gash them like they did back in 
2019. Don't turn the ball over. Never let the Grizz seize momentum and uh, ride that home that home atmosphere uh, all the way to a redemption win. So uh, I think it's going to be a hell of a game today. Can't wait for it. I think it's about as evenly matched as these two teams have been quite some time just because of the strength versus strength element. And I think if the Cats can take care of the ball and run it, I think they'll win. If I think if the Grizz can eliminate that Cat run game and force Montana State into making some turnovers, I think the Grizz will win on the road. So it should be a really fun one and uh, always one of the best times of the year. What kind of point spread do you see during this game today? Well, Vegas has got it at minus three and a half uh, in favor of the Cats. And uh, I think I would have had it exactly at minus two and a half. So minus two and a half basically means that the Cats are getting two and a half points for being at home. And otherwise, it's an even matchup. And that's exactly what I would say. I think the Cats are exactly a, a field goal favorite. And that's exactly what I expect to play out. All right, it's going to be fun to watch. Can't wait. Cat Grizz in just a few minutes. They're going to be teeing it up at Bobcat Stadium. It's Coulter Nuanez from Skyline Sports uh, joining us today. Thanks, Coulter, and I guess we'll maybe we'll talk next week uh, before the playoffs start. Hey, sounds great, guys. Thanks so much for having me. There's a lot of things that make Montana great, from the mountains and lakes to some of the finest towns in the West. But what really makes this place special is you. Our communities are full of people who are working hard to build good lives and remarkable things. At Opportunity Bank, our passion is helping folks do just that. Together, we can make a good thing even better. Opportunity Bank of Montana. Stop by and see us or visit us online. Member FDIC. For unquestionably committed coverage of Montana, Montana State, and Big Sky Conference athletics from a homegrown local source, you can count on Skyline Sports. The grassroots news-gathering organization is owned and operated by Coulter and Brooks Nuanas, a pair of Missoula natives and University of Montana graduates. For the best sports journalism in the state, you can choose to buy local when you choose to buy Skyline Sports. For $8 a month or $90 a year, you can get the best coverage available at SkylineSportsMT.com. Skyline Sports, every day, every season. 